Let's find a way to a better future. Whoa, to future. Okay, first you get your house in order. No, not you, us. Bank of New Zealand, now certified net carbon zero. And we're going big by helping New Zealanders go big with two billion. Now $10 billion in sustainable finance. For business, for farmers, for our tamariki. And let's not stop there. Bank of New Zealand, let's find a way. I'm Damien Venuto. It's January 24th, and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. Wayne Brown has long been an advocate for moving the ports of Auckland up to Northland. Now that he's mayor of Auckland, it's a goal that he may actually be able to make a reality, especially as the government is also supportive of the idea. However, while many Aucklanders would love to see the cars and containers go, the scale of such a move has made for a contentious debate. So what would be involved in moving the port? Should it happen? And how long until Aucklanders get a waterfront with a view? Today, I'm joined by economist and advocate for moving the port, Shane Vuletic, to hear why he believes it's time to change the look of Auckland. Shane, set the scene for us. Explain why there is such a strong desire among some to move the port from the Auckland waterfront. So it's not a new issue. It's I've been involved in two recent reports on port relocation, and they were, I think, the 20th and 22nd reports on this issue. So it's an issue that's been kicked around for probably 30 years now. So there's been a sense that we need to do something. And the reason we need to do something is twofold. The first is that there is a growing capacity issue at the port. And the main issue is actually that the port is constrained on all sides. On the ocean side, it doesn't really have anywhere to go. And on the city side, it definitely doesn't have anywhere to go. And it's becoming increasingly landlocked, essentially, and surrounded by lots of activity that is not consistent with the efficient movement of freight. So there's certainly a capacity and efficiency issue. But actually, the emerging issue, and probably the most important one in my mind, is optimal land use. Cities need to continually look at how they're using their land and making sure that they're using their land in the right way. And the more valuable the land, the more often you have to look at it and make sure that you're doing the best you can with that scarce land resource. Now, there's 77 hectares of prime waterfront land sitting under the port that is currently being used for a really low value industrial use. That's about twice the size of Winyard Quarter and about a fifth of the CBD area. So you get a sense of the scale of that land. This is about making sure that the port is in the right place to serve Auckland for the next 100 years or so. And the port was in the right place for a long period of time, but it's no longer in the right place to serve Auckland the way it needs to be served. There's a general consensus the port needs to move. Lots of other cities have done this. The challenge is getting it done. The main alternative often raised is for the port to be moved to Northland. Logistically, what would it take to move this operation from Auckland to Northland? It's a good question, and I guess Northland was one of the, the options that had been put forward, so it's not the only option that's been considered. And the other two main candidates are the Manukau Harbour and Firth of Thames down out southeast Auckland. Now, the Manukau, despite you know, lots of people thinking it's a great idea, is, you know, in my view and in lots of the experts' views, a terrible idea. Um, you're fighting nature. 
with the bar, it's not insurmountable, but generally you don't want to be fighting nature. When you put a long-lived piece of infrastructure somewhere, it's on the wrong side of the country in terms of shipping routes, which creates massive issues, would probably just make it infeasible. And there's some environmental concern. And probably my biggest concern, even if it was technically feasible and it made sense, I think perpetuating the use of land in South Auckland for that sort of low productivity use isn't a good long-term decision for Auckland. South Auckland has massive potential, and if we keep just putting containers on it and low-productivity stuff in that area, we don't achieve this potential. So I think there's a whole lot of reasons why the Manukau is a bit of a silly idea. Further Thames is not a silly idea. Technically, it's very feasible, but it is a greenfield site that would require lots and lots of work, lots and lots of connection, and probably most importantly, it's south of Auckland, and that is a bit of an issue because Port of Tauranga is south of Auckland as well, and that service is actually a lot of Auckland's freight task. People don't know that, but a lot of our freight comes and goes through the Port of Tauranga, which is 160 kilometres away. Having both of our ports south of Auckland would create massive demand for the rail and road corridors to the south of Auckland, which commuters want to use. So having all of our freight being dragged up through those already congested corridors doesn't make a lot of sense. What Northport has going for it is it doesn't have that south of Auckland problem where it's going to be competing with those congested corridors. It's north of Auckland, which creates a degree of resilience because you can attack Auckland from the north and from the south. And with the right infrastructure in place, you end up with a really nice north and south port access model with a bunch of inland ports sitting in between those two gateway ports, connected by rail that allows freight to move really efficiently. Now, Northport is an operating port. It's consented, so you don't have any consenting issues. It's already built. It needs to be scaled out, but it's got lots of land side um, capacity. It's a natural deep water port, and it's already being used. So Northport may not tick every single box will be better than any other port solution in every single box, but on balance, it is by far the most feasible solution. So Shane, you have long been an advocate for moving the port, but there are also opponents to this plan. So can you maybe look at the other side of the table and explain why some people think that the port shouldn't be moved at all? So the port likes being where it is. You know, even though it acknowledges and accepts all of the studies that say it needs to move and it needs to move relatively soon, it keeps doing things to acknowledge it needs to move but never actually doing anything about it. So it's employed a lot of stalling tactics to acknowledge it wants to move but never actually doing anything about it, which means it will never move. And they do have resources at their disposal to make it difficult to move. You have politicians that are simply overwhelmed by the scale of the issue. And when you're confronted with a really, really big issue that is going to take many years to resolve, that's not a particularly attractive political proposition because generally you end up writing the checks but not cutting the ribbons. And that's possibly being a bit unkind to politicians, but that, that long-lived stuff is, is really challenging to get by into. As a result, it's generally easier to do nothing than it is to do something. You have a freight industry that's built its business models around the status quo. The freight industry is generally you know, really economically rational. You know, when confronted with status quo versus a change scenario, status quo is always more comfortable and safer. I don't think you're going to have the freight industry crying out for radical change. What they'll generally want is incremental change, which is just tweaking what we've got because that's safe and known. And I can completely understand that from a business perspective. In 
And ends at Herald Panel. On this topic, back in 2021, former Auckland Mayor Phil Goff was quite critical of a report that you co-authored. Look, it may be that the Manako doesn't work. I don't know. I'm not the expert in this, but I would have at least expected, before you talk about spending 10 or $12 billion, that you look at all of the options so that you make sure that the option that you finally land on is the right option. The supply chain study failed to look at that. He suggested that there wasn't sufficient consideration given to other areas, and he was a particular proponent of Manukau. Do you think that since that panel discussion and since that initial report, the question of Manukau has been answered properly? Uh, look, I believe there's a piece of work, another piece of work, probably the 24th study, looking more closely at the Manukau, just to assess whether it is actually remotely feasible to either leave it on the table or take it off the table. And I think it's the piece of work that needs to be done to ideally put a stake in the heart of the Manukau because no one in the industry, in the shipping industry, believes it's remotely feasible or remotely sensible. So I think if there's a study to be done that rules it out once and for all, well, it's probably a good use of resource to rule it out. But I would like to see it ruled out so we don't waste any more time on it. The issue with Phil Goff was an interesting one because... During the process of, of us doing our study and concluding that Northport was the best option, Wayne Brown was actually the chair of that study before he had any mayoral aspirations at all. But I think being part of that process kind of stoked the fire and probably convinced him to step up because he started seeing what was going on in Auckland. But during that process, Wayne and Phil, in a couple of public forums, had some personal clashes. And I think what came out in that debate was... Phil allowing personal issues to cloud his professional judgment and I just happened to be the guy there representing the work and, and so he took aim at me but I suspect he would have aimed at Wayne Brown had Wayne Brown been there and it was definitely more of an emotional outburst than a rational argument during that debate but in terms of the work itself I absolutely stand behind the work that I was involved in I wasn't the only one who did the work I was one of five or six on the group and we had some consultants and they're helping us as well but very confident in the work and I'm very comfortable defending it and I'm also very comfortable critiquing the subsequent study that was done to try and undermine the work that we did. You like to be in the know. So do you know about Panasonic heat pumps with Nano X? These heat pumps not only heat and cool, they also purify the air, actively fighting viruses, mould and odours. Panasonic Air Conditioning, the only heat pump with Nano X. One issue that does come up with this quite a lot is the issue of jobs. So how would moving the port impact the hundreds of employees who currently work at the port site in Auckland? So the impact would be quite significant, but not in the way that you'd expect. The impact on port-related jobs would be quite minimal because there are, as you said, only a few hundred jobs actually on the port itself. Probably now between three and 400, I would say, jobs on the port land. On 77 hectares of prime waterfront land, that supports directly 400 jobs. And the reason for this is that there's very little economic value in the port itself as a business. So a lot of people think port as a business is really valuable and creates lots of employment and value directly. Where that value is created is in the freight that goes through the port. The value isn't embedded in the port itself. The port is just a gateway for things to come and go. So as long as the freight continues to exist, imports and exports, and it continues to move efficiently to and from where it wants to go, all of the employment associated with that freight will remain and persist. So it's actually so, about the businesses bringing stuff in and taking stuff out. That's yeah, what's important. 
Absolutely. I mean, the port itself is just a facilitator. It's just a place that stuff passes through. And yes, it creates a little bit of employment as a business in its own right. But the vast, vast majority of employment associated with the movement of freight is with the freight itself, what the freight is being used for. You know, as long as there is a port somewhere and that freight continues to move efficiently, pretty much all of the employment, except for the direct stuff on the portland itself, would continue to exist. Now, the net impact of moving the port would actually be significantly positive because you take 77 hectares of prime waterfront land that currently supports a few hundred jobs and you turn it into an area that supports tens of thousands of jobs, as well as housing for people, as well as green spaces, as well as schools, as well as social amenity. So we only have to look across the harbour to Winyard Quarter, which was port land and which was an industrial wasteland employing very few people. And in 10 years' time, it's supporting billions of dollars worth of businesses, thousands and thousands of employees, thousands of residents, and it creates great social value for the people of Auckland because it's a public space and you can walk around it. So that transition that is really easy to see, it's really convenient that we have Winyard Quarter because what we're really proposing for the port is a very similar process of turning it from a place that people can't be and can't go and is really low productivity and turning it into a place that people can be and is really highly socially and economically productive. The saving is in re releasing highly valuable land for higher value incomes, much the same as happened at um, Britomart and at the Western Viaduct. And there'll be quite a lot of migration of low value, low salaried jobs, possibly up to Ruakaka. But at the moment, it's very hard for those people to actually afford to live in Auckland. They can afford to buy a house on those salaries up there. Auckland Mayor Wayne Brown has been a big proponent of moving the port for some time, as you've mentioned. In December 2022, the government agreed to support Brown's plans for a move. So how likely do you think it is that a plan can actually be agreed to? Look, it's too early to tell. Wayne's certainly saying and doing the right things. His position on the port thus far has been really, really good because he's creating urgency around the issue. And that's the issue that we've been fighting for so long. As, as I said earlier, there is no urgency there are stalling tactics all over the place because it's a really big issue and it's a really sticky one and you can get yourself in trouble by tackling it as a politician. So what Wayne's doing is creating urgency around this issue and stopping people from kicking the can down the road and letting the next generation deal with the problem because the problem just gets bigger and harder to solve every year that we don't solve it because the other options that are available to us now may not be available to us in five or ten years' time. What we need is central government buy-in and central government urgency to commit to a solution, not just commit to another report, because reports are, to some extent, they are necessary in a lot of cases, but they can also be stalling tactics where you just buy yourself another two years of time by commissioning another report. And it means you don't have to do anything or make a decision while that report is pending. On that topic, last year North Shore Councillor Chris Darby was on the front page and he ran us through the complexities of big infrastructure projects and why they often take so long to get across the line. We have taken our eye off the future, uh, not just of Auckland but the nation, particularly in infrastructure. And we're always looking at what we should have been doing years ago. And the City Rail Link is a classic example of that. It was first suggested in 1924, and it's going to be 100 years between first thinking about it to actually opening it and riding it. 
looking at that, how confident are you that this project will ever get off the ground? It will at some point because it has to, because the port will get less and less efficient as urban encroachment grows. You know, those corridors that it is dependent on are not going to get less congested over time. And what people don't realise with the existing port or with the port where it currently is, there's going to have to be significant amounts of investment in just keeping it at the current level of efficiency. On the port site itself, there is already lots of capital investment earmarked by the ports of Auckland for the existing site to build new buildings and build new infrastructure on the site. And we're not talking tens of millions here, we're talking hundreds of millions and probably over 10 or 20 years, billions of dollars being invested in a site that we all know doesn't have a long-term future. Now that's ratepayer money being invested in an asset that we all know is going to be shut down at some point in the, the medium term at the latest. So that's economic madness in itself. What you've also got is the port and the freight industry asking for major upgrades to rail into the existing port and road into the existing port up Grafton Gully to decongest those corridors. Now, that comes at cost of billions of dollars once again into an existing site that we know is not the long-term solution. You know, the, the opponents to relocation have been successfully blocking relocation for at least 30 years, so I wouldn't bet against them continuing to do that. So I think we're in a position where there will still be resistance to change and there are challenges. We have an owner of the port, which is the council, that is for the first time ever supportive of relocation. You know, largely thanks, I think, to Chris Darby has done great work in that space, but um, Wayne Brown has, has really tipped the balance there. And the government's now at the table, so we're in the best position we've ever been in and we have the highest chance of getting urgency around this that we've ever had. So now is the time. Now is the time that hopefully the stars align and we can create urgency and create a level of commitment to relocation that can't be undone in future political cycles. Thanks for joining us, Shane. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Damien Venuto. You can follow The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.